1: staff training, staff interviewing, staff hiring um, and all the things you might want to know if you are applying for a job and if you are interviewing staff for a job um, this is something that I think we probably aren't as prepared for as we should be when we you know either go into our own business or I need to hire RBTs or BCBAs to work with us and there's a lot of things that you kind of, learn along the way. Um, One of the questions that I like when people ask me is about how we train our staff. Staff training is like a really important topic. It's how staff are going to feel supported. And um, they're going to like, it's going to affect their longevity with your company and really the quality of the ABA that you're providing. Let's start with interviewing. (laughs) Okay. So The thing I say about hiring a staff is I usually look less on how many years of experience they have and how many courses they've taken. And I look for personality. Um, When I'm interviewing someone, it matters to me how they present themselves. So I've interviewed people who came late who you know weren't presentable if it was a zoom meeting they you know they were dis- distractions and disruptions and they just weren't prepared um, so that's going to matter and i also like when people ask good questions so when they ask about how they can be supported what the opportunities for growth are um, how feedback is constructed those kind of things if they're asking the first question they ask is about how much the job pays that's a red flag for me. Um, I would say if you're interviewing for a job, maybe ask that at the end. But, you know, usually the the range is posted on the job posting. So it just doesn't come across um, that great when the first thing you're asking about is the pay. Um, you want to just really get to know them. Like, I want to know about their personality. I want to know how warm they are, how they are at speaking to parents, what their... Um, you know, I ask them about some examples of how they had to manage challenging behavior because I want to see it. Was there compassion there? You know, was there a lot of rigidity with sticking to? Well, I I always ignore challenging behavior. Um, so those are the kind of questions that I ask, and it's hard to say exactly. You know, this is what I want to see, and this is what I don't want to see. Um, but definitely try to let your personality come across in an interview.
0: And I love that, Shira, because I'm the exact same. I always think, you know, well, I can train someone to be a really great ABA therapist. I can't train someone necessarily to have enthusiasm. And I look at the population of who I work with. And if I'm working with older students, I want somebody who, you know, may not be talking in a baby voice and this and that, what have you. Yet if I'm talking, if I'm working with a three year old and I need to staff for younger students, I'm going to be looking exactly for that. If they can get down on their hands and knees and they can play. So really looking at where you're staffing, Who who is this person for? Um, and you know what role are they going to play? So if they're working with younger kids, if it's possible, it's not always possible, obviously on a video call, but if it's possible, if you're in person to actually get down and have them play. And I've done this before and people look at me, <laughs> is she crazy? Um, but I will, I'll grab, you know, a student obviously with parent permission, um, but I'll grab a student who's very, you know, easygoing. I'm not going to give them a tough student or anything, but I'm going to give them a student who's pretty easygoing and say, "Hey, look, I'm going to play with the student for a couple minutes. So I'm going to model myself. Here's here's what I'm going to do. Okay, now you jump in and you play. And it's really interesting because I've had resumes, I've had people with resumes that are so long, um, yet they they can't even get down to the kid's level. So it's, you know, oh, hi, uh, really, I have to play with the student? Um, yeah, that's what you're being hired for. I want to see you do it, actually. Um, so and then you see other people who have no experience whatsoever and are just super fun. They jump in before they're even invited to jump in, and they're playing, and they're engaging the student, etc. cetera. Um, and that's really what I want to see. So if I can actually start with the play before even any other questions... I'll do that. And, you know, sometimes I'll start with a play and within five or 10 minutes, I'm like, thank you. And I walk them out the door and that's it. That's it. They don't even get any other questions. They get nothing because five minutes in, I, I, I'm not going to waste my time. Like that's it. And I know that sounds so harsh. Isn't that harsh? I just know. My, my staff
1: know that sometimes someone will come out of an interview after five minutes and they're like, okay, it going not go out. Well. I know, like I'll know within the first few minutes. Um, and then it's just like, and I just can't, stick it out any longer. (laughs) Oh, like, sorry,
0: you know. Um, However, you know, if they play and and they're enthusiastic, etc., then, you know, then we go further. Now, if I'm interviewing for, you know, an older person, if I'm interviewing for someone to work with, you know, an individual who's 20 or 18 or what have you, I don't want somebody who plays. I don't need them to get down on the ground with a three-year-old. You know, what I'm actually looking for is to see how they relate. And I actually may still have them meet a client if it's possible, because I want to see if he go, you know, if they greet them with, hey, dude, or hey, buddy, how's it going? Versus, hi, how are you? My name is Shana. Like, no, <laughs> right? So it's really about changing your language and changing your behavior based on the age of that individual. And I'll try and really watch for that.
1: Yeah, um, and COVID- COVID has been really hard because we've been forced to do virtual interviews and, you know, as tempting as it is to just kind of keep that going because it's convenient, you know, you don't have to take a whole hour out of your day and no one has to like inconvenience themselves to like drive 20 minutes to meet you. I think it's really important to meet in person. I think it was really hard to have to hire based on virtual interviews. So I really encourage Um, both parties, you know, whether you're applying for a job, go see the place that you'd be working, meet them in person. And if you're hiring, make sure that you meet them in person, show them around, have them meet other people that you work with. It's really a big commitment. And meeting in person, it really tells you a lot about each other. You
0: also mentioned um, being late. You know, that's, to me, that's just a huge, like, no, don't be late. Like, no, (laughs) Um, that's, that's a given. Um, other things would be things like appropriate attire. And I've had people say, well, what, what do you wear to an interview? Especially if you're, you're, you know, you're playing and you're supposed to be in an interview and, you know, the job is for someone who you're playing with and you're down on the ground with a three year old. Should you be wearing a dress to an interview? Probably not. Um, but one thing I do look for, this sounds really silly. I look for comfortable shoes. You know, if someone's in their interview with heels, Okay, you know, maybe it's just in the interview, what have you that trying to impress me, I'll let that go. Um, But if someone comes to an interview with uh, track pants on, like I have staff who work in track pants, and that's acceptable because, you know, they're, they're playing and what have you, but don't interview in track pants, unless you're on zoom and people can't see the bottoms of you. Don't come to an interview with track pants. The other thing not to come to an interview with is a scooped neckline. And what I mean by the scooped neckline is I've had some people come with looser tops. And I even say this to my staff, don't wear looser tops to work because sometimes you're working with a 10-year-old or a 14-year-old person and they can see right down your top. Parents can see right down your top when you're playing with a student or when you're working or when you're leaning over. So that's a big no-no for me as well.
1: I have two great interview stories that I think we can, uh, you know, learn lessons from. When I was first interviewing. Um, to be like an IT and then there wasn't the RBT didn't even exist and I was interviewing to be an, I, an IT and I didn't really know much about ABA clearly you'll see from the rest of the story and I knew I wanted to get into the field but I didn't really know what I was doing and I went to one interview and they asked me a question and they said what's the difference between ABA and IBI I don't know if IBI is a term other than in Canada but IBI is intensive behavioral intervention and ABA is applied behavioral Anal- analysis At the time, I did not know that, and I came into the interview and they asked me that question and I was floored. I had no answer. And I felt so silly that I made sure every interview I went on, I was much better prepared. So be prepared. When you're going to an interview, research the company you're interviewing, understand the topics that you're going to be asked about. And that was the pretty obvious question. I should have known that. So I recommend doing the research um if you're going to be interviewed if you're an interviewer um there was another story that once in you know all my years of interviewing people I hired someone on the spot she came for an interview and um i my gut just said hire her and i listened and she's still she's still there she's fantastic she's proven to be amazing She was shocked that I was offering her a job at her interview. And um, I would say, listen to your gut. Like usually it's not even something tangible and it's not something that it's about what's on their resume or their certificate that they're coming in with. But when you meet them in person, you usually get a gut feeling. And I've learned to listen to that gut feeling for better or worse and so can you operationally define that gut feeling, Shira? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's usually if you don't feel like responding to their email when they're sending you an email following up, it's it's a bad sign. Um so those those were my two interesting interview stories. The other thing I'll say is if you are interviewing for a position, as an interviewer, it's always a red flag if they talk badly about their current employer. Um, you could have a bad experience. That's why you're looking for a job. And that's totally fair. Most employers assume that's the case because otherwise you wouldn't be looking for a job. But for the people that have come in and when I ask them why they're looking for a job, go you know really on a, on a rant about how much you know it's, it's been unfair and they're not treated properly. It's always a red flag for me. Um, so that's something to be aware of. Even if it's tempting to like, you know, throw your old employer under the bus, um, it doesn't look good. It's it's just not professional.
0: Yeah, that's a good point, Shira. A really good point. So that's interviewing. Um, that's probably a lot about interviewing. Probably TMI for a lot of people. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, then okay, so you've interviewed somebody and you want to hire them. What's the next step? It would be onboarding, right, and staff training the question is where do you start i mean there's so many administrative things that you can do and i'm i'm not even going to go there because i'm a behavior analyst and i'm going to go with okay well let's how, how do we get them training so that they're you know first day quote unquote in the chair doing aba on the floor playing wherever you are and um, can be successful so so what does that look like Um, Well, I mean, the very first thing we need to think about is BST, right? Um, BST is behavioral skills training, um, which is really about whenever you're doing anything, making sure that you're showing, giving an explanation, and then modeling for them, and then having them jump in and try it and then giving feedback. Now, this BST model can not just, you know, doesn't have to happen in one session. So what I mean by that is typically, I'll have somebody, um, you know, observe an ABA session, if there's time, and if there's money in the budget, because we all know some places, you just can't do that. But I I would ideally love someone to be able to sit and watch for a good week to two weeks, at least if there if it's possible. Um, And what they would do is, you know, the very first couple days, they would literally just watch. And you know, we would give some explanations, we would give some instruction, etc. But there's no, hey, do you want to jump in? No, nothing like that. It would be just watching. Here's some explanation, what have you. And then slowly it might be like, well, here's my clipboard. You take some data and see if we're on the same, same page here. Okay, great. Now, you know now that you're watching me i've given you some explanations and I'm modeling it now, after you know three, four days would have you jump in, you try it now, okay, great, let me give you some feedback, Oh wait, let me jump back in now you try again, and going back that way so the b s t model doesn't have to have to happen all in one hour it's you know over a week or over two weeks, and that's typically how a quote unquote hands on staff training would go.
1: Yeah. Now in addition to that, anyone coming in to any organization is, you know, leaving one culture, coming into another culture. And there's so many things that you want all the staff to really hear at the same time. You want them all to be on board about, whether it's in, you know, our approach to man- managing challenging behavior, to how we record data, to how we communicate with parents, right? Like these are all important topics that you're not going to want to repeat every, you know, 3 weeks when you have a new staff coming in and it also contributes so much to the culture, right? Getting everybody together and Everybody understanding how we do or don't use physical prompting or what we do when we're managing a challenging behavior, who to call. You know, all of these things are really important parts of staff training also, because you're gonna make your job easier as the trainer in only saying it once and having everybody be on the same page, and as the trainee in facilitating that kind of like group cohesiveness. Um And feeling like, you know, we're all kind of in this together, as opposed to like, let me just drop you into some sort of ABA center. Here's your, here's your kid, here's your schedule and, you know, take off and run. So having some sort of, you know, cohesive training curriculum is really important. And whether you do it where, you know, once or twice a year, you all get together and, you know, spend one or two days going through an entire professional development, or there are some places that, you know, make sure that, you know, once a week we have, uh, solid two to three hour team meeting that includes some training and some client reviews. Um there's many different ways to do it. it depends on what your clientele is and what your structure is like. Um, but with either of those formats, really incorporating some solid training, giving them the foundations of why we're doing what we're doing. They don't have to understand every, you know, all the bits and pieces of what it means to be a BCBA, but they should have some background on what reinforcement is what um, why you know we use token systems or token boards or what punishment is and why we do or don't use it all of those principles of behavior and principles of behavior management um, have that be you know you can be as transparent as you want like we're not we're not trying to force anyone to do anything let's teach you why we're doing it they'll be more on board. And there'll be just better follow-through and better quality of ABA that we're providing. So have them come together and, you know, you could do a different topic once a month. You're focusing on a different topic. The first month it could be on, um, you know, principles of ABA, and then you can move into behavior management and data collection. And I think it also contributes to. Most of the staff I have, at least, want to learn, and they—they they, part of the reason why they may move on is like I want to learn new things. I just want to keep learning more. So, if you're able to provide them with more learning opportunities, and not just learning on the you know one or two clients that they're paired with, but learning opportunities across the board, um, you're just you know a better employer for that.
0: One of the very first agencies I ever worked at did exactly that Shira. They shut down for an entire week while they did staff training and they ran on a on a school schedule. So, you know, September until July basically was their calendar year. And they went, they did go through part of the summer. And then they shut down for the last couple weeks of August and they had a full staff training. And they often made new hires for September. So a lot of the new hires were there. I was one of the new hires, so I'd never worked at the organization before. So I came in and it was really cool because I actually got the full, you know, week staff training. Um, and then there was other members. Everybody was expected to be there. And then you had members of the organization who had been there, you know, 5 to 10 years. And they were there as well, participating. Some of them were presenting. Um, but some of them were just, you know, as we did group work, some of them were just, you know, in our groups to facilitate that learning. So we all didn't look like deer in headlights, right? Going, ah, oh, what? What? Um, You know, and that was really great. And what we got at that was, you know, the principles of behavior. And this was long before I'm going to date myself here, but long before any of us were RBTs. So we didn't know that, you know, so just in terms of, you know, what is, you know, reinforcement from a technical standpoint and, you know, punishment and definitions, et cetera, et cetera. And um, we we learned all this. And it's funny because I was an ABA therapist in a home setting for Two to three years before I joined this organization. And I was like, Oh, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing, right? And I finally got the theory behind it. Um, but it was really great. So, you know, we learned about shaping and prompting, and we learned about, you know, reinforcement and punishment, three term contingency, four term contingency, um, you know, motivation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it was so valuable that, you know, when I ran my own organization, you know, I took from that and I said, You know, we don't have the time or the budget to be able to shut Down for an entire week. Um, But we what we did is we did what we called lunch and learns. And we did a lunch and learn once a month. And then we presented on a topic. And um, it was really great. And the staff gave us really good feedback in terms of the value that they got out of those lunch and learns.
1: So that was kind of the impetus for us creating our staff training series, is that you know we've done so many of these trainings for our staff. We've really like systematized them, and we find them to be so valuable and so and so resourceful um, that we put them into a staff training series so that you guys can take them and use them for your own organizations. Um, we currently have ten on the site, and they range from principles of learning, motivation reinforcement, shaping, measurement, teaching techniques, all those are you know different modules within the staff training series. And the nice thing is that they're all editable. So you can edit all the PowerPoint slides. There's pre and post-test so that in Word documents, you can edit those and individualize them for your organization and give them to your staff before the training and after the training and give them that feedback of how much they've actually learned in the training. Um, there are just some like, you know, helpful resources and notes and things like that for the presenter. Um, it really kind of takes the the work out of the prep so that you can just do the training. You don't have to worry about, you know, preparing the slides and the materials and anything like that. Um, so if you have an, an, agency, an organization, or you do any kind of training, I highly recommend that you check out the staff training series, um, and purchase it, use it, edit it, totally individualize it for your company. Um, and stay tuned for 11 to 20.
0: Thanks for joining today's conversation. Wherever you get your podcast, please go and subscribe, rate and review so others can find out about us too.
1: For more from How To ABA, including free resources and ABA materials, visit our blog at howtoaba.com and make sure that you're following us on social media for more practical tips and updates.